It's episode 131 of the Katie Lance podcast. In this episode, I had a great conversation with my dear friend, Stephanie Lanier, who is a realtor. And we had a great conversation about family and real estate and doing what you love and setting boundaries and putting family first. And we also had a fantastic conversation about marketing and standing out in a sea of sameness. You guys, I know you're going to love this conversation. I'm so grateful for Stephanie. Make sure you check the show notes after the show as well. There's lots of great resources below, but let's get into the show. I know you guys are going to love it. Let's do this. You're listening to the Katie Lance podcast. If you're an entrepreneur, social media geek, real estate pro, a mom, or maybe all of the above and ready to level up your social media game, you're in the right place. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Katie Lance podcast. I am so excited to be here today. We have a great interview uh, in store. I'm so excited to interview a dear friend of mine, Stephanie Lanier. Uh, Stephanie and I have known each other for quite some time. I think we first met through social media and then we've connected over the years at various real estate events. Uh, She's on the East Coast. I'm on the West Coast. uh, And we're going to have a really great conversation today about real estate, about family, about marketing. For those of you who don't know Stephanie, let me go ahead and read her bio for you. Uh, Many words describe Stephanie Lanier. She's a wife, she's a mom, a realtor, an entrepreneur, a blogger, uh, and a special needs advocate. Yet being a wholehearted tribe builder is the thread connecting all of these experiences and creations in her life. Stephanie's life-changing moments have fueled a search for connection, purpose, and spaces for vulnerability. In 2012, she co-founded the Wilmington-based Lanier Property Group alongside with her husband, Andrew, So she works with her husband, as do I. And in 2020, (laughs) in 2020, the Lanier Property Group merged with Intracoastal Realty. In 2015, Stephanie created the Inspiration Lab, which I'm excited to talk to her about today. Uh, This offers an authentic place for women to learn and be inspired by one another by helping women foster meaningful connections through events, online workshops, and original workbooks. So welcome, Stephanie. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We're so happy to, to have you here today. Um, I'm excited about our, our conversation. Yes, me too. I mean, there's so much to talk about. I can't wait. <laughs> Absolutely. So for people who don't know you, I would love to kind of start a little bit at the beginning and maybe you can share a little bit of your backstory. Uh, you know, what market area are you in? How did you get into real estate? Just, you know, a little bit of the the behind the scenes. Absolutely. Yes. So um, my background is in actually social work. So I went to school, undergrad for psychology and graduate degree in uh, social work, master's degree in social work and focused on clinical programs. So therapy and interventions with families, uh, with individuals. And so I loved that work and it was uh, very fulfilling. And um, that's how I got to Wilmington, North Carolina. So I'm in Wilmington, which is a little coastal dream town. You've probably seen it on a lot of TV shows because we're Hollywood of the East. So if you're familiar with Dawson's Creek or One Tree Hill, um, the show Outer Banks is not filmed here, which is crazy. It should be. Hopefully it will be. Uh, but it's just a beautiful, um, peaceful place. And we're about three hours north of Charleston and a little bit like 
a miniature Charleston is a good way to think about Wilmington, uh, more affordable. So lots of people moving here, which is exciting. And I have been here now for over 20 years because I came here for college and figured out a way to stay, which is what everyone tries to do, but sometimes can be hard. So my first job was at a homeless shelter. And um, I think that my salary was something like $17,000 a year. And I was thrilled. They gave me business cards as well. So I was like, I have made it. Um, Then made my way to grad school. Love doing social work. Loved being involved in the community in a micro way, you know, kind of one-to-one. Um, now as a business owner, I feel like I'm much more involved on a macro level uh, as Chamber of Commerce among the executive committee and in different leadership roles. So it's very interesting to see how you can be a part of your community in both places and, and, and bring a different perspective, which is kind of refreshing and nice, I think, for leaders. So how I got into real estate is um, I had my son, Oliver, and I was a stay-at-home mom with him for about 19 months and was enjoying that. And he, um, at that time started doing like this really, I don't know, strange thing is the best way I know how to explain it. He's doing kind of weird stuff. New moms can relate to this. I took him to the doctor. They're like, he's fine. You need to relax. And I just, just had this feeling like something wasn't right. Um, eventually this kind of went on for about a week or two. He had a really big seizure and it was a life-threatening seizure. He had to be life flighted, um, to Chapel Hill, which is about two and a half hours away from us. And it was really scary. We didn't know what was happening. And um, I actually had the opportunity to give a TEDx talk. And I talk about that experience in the TEDx talk of watching your baby be airlifted in a helicopter is just something you never, ever imagined or prepared for. And, and it just turned our world upside down. So we found out that Oliver has a rare genetic disorder. And although that day he, he was safe and he um, did not need immediate surgery, which we were told he might. Um, we also found out that my husband has this rare genetic disorder too. So it means that 50% chance that any other child would have it just sort of changed everything, you know, in our family's life. It's called tuberous sclerosis um, complex is what Andrew and Oliver have. So my husband, Andrew has a very mild expression. That's how we didn't know. And then our son, Oliver, it turns out now he's almost 13. We know that he has a very, um, severe expression of tuberous sclerosis. And so it just started my role as a special needs mom and diving into the medical uh, community. Like I didn't know any of that stuff every once in a while. I'm so proud of this. People ask like, are you a nurse? And I was like, why do they not ask if I'm a doctor? Like I'm so offended. There's so much like sexism in the world. And finally somebody asked if I was a doctor and I was like, oh, I've made it. Like I, I know how to talk the lingo. So um, I think that uh, after a decade of medical advocacy, I've, I've come a long way. But um, that that helicopter flight for Oliver was uh, $17,000. And um, although my husband keeps saying it was 19, but whatever, 17, 19, it was a lot. And it was basically what I would make as a social worker um, in previous positions or, you know, something close to it. Just didn't make sense for me to go back into social work. Also, I was so tender. Like I was so broken over this whole new reality. I thought, how can I go sit with someone in there? hard space, you know? So my husband had said, you'd be a great realtor for many years. And I was like, I'm not doing sales, you know, like I'm mother Teresa. Um, and then we started getting those medical bills and I realized I needed to do something both, both to help our family financially. But for me, I mean, I was like losing myself. Every seizure just felt like this personal affront that Oliver had and every medication that we would try that wouldn't work. Or as he regressed, I mean, he, he used to could say five word sentences and now he's no longer verbal, just watching 
that part of my life goes so different than I had imagined getting into real estate and like watching a deal like come together and then close was so satisfying to see something like work, how it's supposed to work. So that's kind of how I got into it. I, I didn't have um, grand plans of much of anything. Just, I thought I need a really flexible job with no limitations on sort of my ability to earn income, like an unlimited opportunity to earn an income. And I wouldn't say unlimited flexibility, because let's be honest, (laughs) it's flexible to a point, but, but knowing like, there's not going to be an appointment that I have to miss because a boss is yelling at me and says, I can't go. So that was kind of the vision behind it. And that's how I found myself in real estate. And I loved it from the start. I was like, Oh, these are my people. I mean, I love social workers too. And I have, uh, I have my own podcast and like half the guests are therapists. So, I mean, I don't know what that says about me, but I just loved the freedom in real estate to create your own thing. Like you can take risk if it works great. If it doesn't, it's okay. And the nonprofit world, which I was in before you just had to get, there were so many barriers to new ideas. I just loved in real estate. If you had a marketing idea, you could try it. So, and I'm still, I still love that part of it, you know? So that's kind of the backstory. Did I miss anything? No, that, that's, okay. that's quite a backstory. <laughs> no, I, I, <laughs> you, you touched on a lot of things and you know, it's what you said about real estate. It's one of the reasons why I I really loved working in the in the industry. I love that kind of entrepreneurial spirit uh, of a of a realtor. And and like you said, you know you don't have a boss necessarily looking over your shoulder. So if you have a great idea, you can implement it right away. And I think people mistake what flexibility and freedom you know really mean because realtors tend to work oftentimes twenty four seven or you know it feels like they're yeah. always on. But you know with what you shared with your with your family, you know it sounds like it was really an ideal um, you know profession to really have that flexibility and to make it, make it your own, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of the things that for us, like, you know, we started building a team pretty early, earlier than like coaches would tell you to get an assistant or get support because I knew that Oliver was going to need me to go to appointments, to, to be there for therapy. And then we've had, we was spent, I've spent months of my life in the hospital. So like we've juggled this growing business with a lot of really hard stuff. He, um, he's actually a kidney cancer survivor. If you can believe it, we went through that in 2018 in the middle of hurricane Florence, which was just crazy to go through that stuff together. So we have been through some really hard stuff, but we built the real estate business that we have as a team around this idea of family first and not just lip service, but like, how do you build it? Like what systemically do you have to have in an organization to make this work so that clients and customers feel comfortable hiring you knowing your backstory? Cause I mean, it's no secret that we have, you know, a son who's had intermittent serious issues with health. Um, but then how do we also help other people do it? Which has been the most satisfying part of this whole thing is watching so many primarily moms, but some dads teaching them how to, to do this for their families for whatever reason. Um, and on our team, Lisa Saley and myself, we both have Make-A-Wish kids. Um, Currently out of our team, we've got two people dealing with relatively close family members with cancer. Like we are built to be able to um, run a business and help take care of our family. It doesn't have to be one or the other. It's messy and it's hard, but you can do both. You can with a team, with a team. You know, I, I love that you said that because I was originally going to kind of ask you about like balance and how do you balance it all, which I think we both agree is probably a little bit of a myth, yeah. uh, you know, in, in a lot of ways. But I love what you said about building a business that really is family first and not lip service, because I think most people will say, of course, my family's first. But when the rubber hits the road, when something comes up, then 
you know, what do you do? So do you have any advice for anyone who wants to really do that? They want to run a family first business, but they're afraid, like, how do I say no? How do you actually turn away clients? Like, what does that actually look like? And I'm just wondering, maybe you could share just a, a tip or two for anyone who might be thinking about that. Yeah, I think it's such a good question. I'll just share like my own experiences. I was um, I was at a conference um, years ago. I think it was a curator conference. And the speaker asked us to write down the three most important people in our lives or the four most important people in our lives. And, um, you know, they play music and you're thinking about it. And I mean, if you're, you're a family of four, it's easy. You're picking your three family members. But I have a husband and a son. And, you know, I think it was three people. Yeah, because it made a total of four. So I was just sort of thinking, like, who who is that person? And then the point of the talk was, does your calendar reflect this? So then we had to pull out our calendar. And it was like, Okay. Because in sales, in real estate, uh, it's really easy to get out of balance with our what we say is our values. So if it's truly a value, then you should be able to look, because this is true about your checkbook too. You should be able to look at both your, your bank account and your calendar and figure out what you care about. Um, if you saw my bank account, you would see I really like clothing. Um, I, love to, I, I love a good outfit. Um, I'm just going to say it. But I think for, for me, that kind of started this the wheels turning of what could that look like in my life? And one of the things over, it wasn't right then, but over time, I sort of said, hey, my husband's parents are in town. And then my mom and grandmother are in town. My grandmother's 84. And my other grandmother passed away. And I remember being at her funeral just thinking, about mutter who's who's the grandmother have left like i'm not going to lean over over her casket thinking i wish i'd spent less time with her i'm going to wish i had gotten off the email that i'd spent more time with her like you just never feel that way when you lose someone you love you wish you'd spent more time with them and i don't have a boss making me do stuff like to our point so we do um family sunday suppers and sometimes we do it on saturday but once a week we bring the you know andrew's parents come over and my mom and grandmother come over and we have a meal together it's not anything fancy sometimes we even have to do thursday nights we trade off on who brings what but it's like yeah, sometimes I can't show property because it's 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 family dinner on the deck is how we did it during the pandemic. We all spread out and it was kind of looked goofy, but we made it work. And, you know, my grandmother and Andrew's parents, and I mean, everybody was like, this is, we like live for this. Like when, when it was locked down and when we couldn't do anything. And I just, I think that when we're young, we forget when people are older, how much a lunch means, how much a dinner means, how much an including people means. And so that's just an easy way that I've tried to, folded in. I don't, there are people who have boundaries. Like I don't get on my phone after 9 PM. I just never find that that stuff quite works for me. That's just like too restrictive, I think to how the industry works, but I think building what I like to tell people is like build a rhythm. So our, our like family Sunday suffers is a rhythm. It's a weekly rhythm that we're in. And sometimes we move the date around, but it's something we pretty faithfully stick to. And that's something that's been really helpful for me. Um, and then of course, just with the phone, I mean, constantly, I'm just like, I literally will just have to put it across the room. I mean, I feel like I'm like, oh, get away from me. Like, I don't, I forget that I'm touching it. It's just so ubiquitous to, to try to like get away from it. And, and, and that's my best success at home is to have, to not be able to see it. There's actually a lot of research about if you can even see your phone flipped over, it's problematic. So get it out of, out of my sight, out of my mind. There's really nothing in real estate for the most part, most days that can't wait an hour, hour and a half. And that's about as much time as I have with Oliver when I get home at night. So it's not like we have six hours. I mean, I've got a 90 minute stretch of time that I want to be present for him. So I just, I can't have the phone near me or I'm going to look at it. I just know, you know, it's like a magnet. You just I like, percent the same way. And I was just talking to my husband about this. I said, there's just something about plugging it in and leaving it in the other room. And 
you know, I, I think a lot of people struggle with that. It's, if it's right there, it's just, it's tempting. I think it's, it is probably a little bit of a digital addiction that, that all of us yeah. have. And it's, it becomes this, this habit where sometimes you find yourself going, wait, why am I looking at this? Oh, I just, it's just out of habit, right? Versus actually being intentional about, you know, being right. productive. Or you're like intentionally looking to see if someone texts you back and you see four new texts, which makes you stress. Then you feel like you have to respond. Or I'll just be like, I'm going to Google a recipe. But if I look at the phone, it's a black hole because I don't know what I'm going to see, you know, like with real estate. So I do think that that is is certainly helpful. And I I think you just have to figure out what those things are in your life. And I think you really, with Andrew and I, we do have a lot of date nights and we spend a lot of time together having fun together and doing things that aren't either medically focused for Oliver or business focused. And I think that's really um, important too, to have time to really connect. We had a season when he was still working in the film industry where we were just like ships in the night. We just could, everything was like, Hey, did you order that medication for Oliver? Did we send this check for that thing? I mean, it was very just like transactional felt like we were kind of like running in some ways a company like our household together, but the, the kind of romantic friendship, intimacy, emotional intimacy, that's the thing. Emotional intimacy takes time. So if you want it, that's the currency. It's time. And you can't be selling houses all the time and have that too. Um, and so, yeah, there's just, I mean, there's no deal that's worth the relationships in your life. So I think it's finding that balance and yeah, referring out again, great reason to have a team or other people in your brokerage. Um, and I don't take clients that are far away geographically. Like some agents will drive an hour to a different beach town part of how it works for me is like, I don't spend forever in my car. I've got one client who's looking at houses that are like 40 minutes away. And I've, I probably, that'll be the last time that I sell property that far away. Cause it's just easier for me. Like with work-life balance, if I need to pop out and show something that's 10 minutes down the road, that's really does not disrupt your day enormously, but you've got to spend, you're spending over an hour in the car, just getting to the showing. For me, that's where I feel like, whoa, I'd rather have that time back. So that's another way that I think it kind of, it kind of works. I think that's great advice. Just kind of setting, setting your own boundaries as far as, you know, location and and time. I mean, ultimately it comes down to time. Time is our most precious asset. And so where you spend that time, who you give your time to. And I love that takeaway of looking at your calendar and what's on your calendar. So I think a lot of our listeners will, (laughs) hopefully will do that. I recommend, I'm going to do that. as well. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I think it's, it's such a healthy, like, you know, and, and then if you're missing someone, which you will be like your best friend or someone you care about or a mentor that you really haven't seen in a while, it's a great opportunity to go say like, Oh my goodness, I need to do that. And then I have reminders. So every like eight weeks, it's like reach out to this mentor. And sometimes I, I do it. Sometimes I don't, but there have been times where I'm like, how have I not talked to you in a year? So I kind of have to make my own prompts for relationships that are important to me, but I don't like run into them. Like they're not my neighborhood or my kids not on the same soccer team. It's like relationships that aren't super convenient, but are really important to me. They require more work, but it's so worth it. Absolutely. So I'd love to kind of switch gears a little bit. because I know before we uh, went live on, on the podcast, we were chatting about marketing and I have long admired all the things that you're doing you've always really just stood out as being authentic and just really helpful with your, with your marketing and unique. And, you know, one of the things I shared with you before is I I feel like there's a little bit of an epidemic (laughs) with real estate (laughs) marketing right now. That's like this (laughs) sea of sameness, right. Where like you see like the same stock photos. Right. And uh, you know, and obviously there's, there's something to be said about some content that's automated and some content that, you know, is uh, you know, maybe somewhat generic, but in general having, 
you know, some custom content, some unique content. And I know you shared with me some, some resources some things you've done around your local area, like with hurricanes. And I wrote a note down that your waterfront guide, like very specific things. So maybe you could share some things that are working for you and maybe not working, but uh, you know, in, in terms of marketing. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things um, we unfortunately get a lot of experience with here is hurricanes, but it only happens, first of all, you don't know when it will happen and it happens a certain time of the year. And so the last time we went through a hurricane, which was Isaias last August, I think, the team, we were like live texting each other. Also, it was super scary. It was uh, it was a category one, but it was like pretty terrifying. And so all of us were kind of up in our closets because tornado watches and, you know, I mean, just checking in. We have some single people on our team just making sure they were OK, okay all that. Um, but in the middle of that, I w- we were trying to come up with like, what do we need to write down that we will never remember like three days from now when you're in it? Because a lot of the stuff is like, it's not dumb advice. It's obvious. Like, make sure that your social security card is in a plastic baggie and you can get to it. I mean, some of the stuff is just like very, uh, when you're in this market and you're in a hurricane area, it's basic. So we didn't even repeat any of that stuff. That's common sense. What we found our clients need help with is, and this happened in hurricane Florence, the house was supposed to close, I think three days after hurricane Florence hit something like that. And a tree fell completely through the middle of the roof in the middle of the night. And the client reached out to one of the agents on my team. And, you know, we, we said, Hey, we think we need, you need to call your insurance company. But since then we've gotten really clear on like, no, for sure you need to call your insurance company. So instead of you running around getting like buying a generator you don't know how to use that you maybe aren't going to use that you hopefully don't kill yourself using, which is like, you know, part of this hurricane thing, like go find your insurance card information or your agent's number. Like what is your deductible? How does this work? Because you never think about insurance until you need to. And then we'd have a lot of clients call and say, we want flood insurance. Well, you can't get flood insurance once there is a name storm that's in something called the box. So I think if you're listening to this, if you have some kind of weather event, especially for new people to your area that can have like a blizzard. I mean, I don't know if I moved somewhere and heard, I wouldn't know what to do because that's that's foreign to me. So I think any kind of thing like that that you can put together new to the area of people. Earthquakes in California, you know, people oh. say, well, what do you, how do you get ready for an earthquake? And I'm, you know, lived here my whole life. So I think that's a, a great yeah. thing to think about. What is it about your area that if people move there, especially weather-wise, they wouldn't know? Right. I mean, that's the thing. It's like there, I mean, there are people who are moving around because of these climate events, but it's something that you as an agent can think about creating and, and creating very specific nuanced probably would seem completely irrelevant to someone else who's reading it. That means you have really good content. So the waterfront guide is, um, you know, like everyone wants to do luxury real estate. Have you noticed that? Yes. <laughs> that seems to be yes. a big buzz right now. Seems like everybody thinks that's a great fit for them. But of course, I wanted to explore that. We live in a, in a market where we have beautiful beaches and waterfront properties. And as I began to start uh, doing real estate deals on waterfront properties, I was learning as I was going. And I kept looking for like, where is this information? So for example, in North Carolina, if you buy a waterfront property and you don't have a dock, or a pier and you want to build one, you might think I'm just going to go build one. And that would be incorrect. You can't just go do that. You have to get what's called a camera permit. And if you want a major, like you want a big dock with a boat slip and the gazebo and like all the things, 14 agencies have to sign off on that. And then that permit is good for only six months and it's not transferable. So sometimes agents will say like, oh, we had a camera permit in 1998. Like that's irrelevant. You know, like the, the, the bio, like, biology and ecology and all these things have changed in our area. And so that's a lot. It's a lot about the environmental impacts of what you're trying to do. And I think when you buy waterfront property, yes, it's yours, but it's also part of a a much bigger kind of, um, 
you know, the coastal ecosystem is everybody's, you know, to a certain extent. So we can't just have, there's this balance between like, yes, you are a private citizen and we certainly need to protect your right to do things, but we also have to protect the environment. So I think a lot of people find that surprising. And so even stuff like a bulkhead, which is, you know, what holds kind of all the dirt away from the water. Apparently up north, there's also something else called a bulkhead. I learned this on a call recently, but I'm talking about the water bulkheads. That, that and, and so there are like three different ways you can construct them and you need to have them inspected. Again, I didn't know this stuff. Like I just found this out as I was like practicing and I was like, I'm gonna put this in a guidebook. And I wrote it all down and it's pretty. And I, I sent it to a bunch of people to cross-reference it. Like, hey, please, like insurance agents, camera people, like everybody who kind of knows. And then what's been cool is I recently listed a waterfront property. It helps me in waterfront listing pitches, but it mostly helps me, oddly enough, educate the realtors who are bringing me buyers. So I just say to them, hey, have you ever done a waterfront deal? And sometimes people like sort of answer like, well, I mean, I've kind of and like, you know, immediately like, okay, they don't they don't know. Um, (laughs) And that's okay. I get it. Listen, I mean, it's it's fine. But I say, hey, can I send you this waterfront guide? I think it's gonna be really helpful because I want them to be advising their clients properly and understanding whatever issues. In this case, there was a grandfather boat ramp on the property, which is really unusual um, and, and some other things. So it's been super helpful. So I just kind of I give it out to anybody who wants it, because I feel like it makes the industry better. And you're much more likely to have a deal go through if someone's educated and and knows like, hey, you should get this. Like, what should you get inspected? What what is like, what can you actually not get inspected? And you're going to sound dumb asking. Like, this is the sort of stuff that I had to go through. So um, I think it's been really helpful. And just you and I talked about before we hit record, you can't ensure these private docs. I mean, it doesn't even make sense to do it. So have you advised your client like, Hey, every two to three years, are you good with rebuilding this Mm -hmm. said doc? And then we talk a lot about flood insurance, wind and hail insurance. There's all kinds of insurances that you need. And then another thing that happens here a lot is people finish off the bottom floor, completely enclose it. Mm -hmm. And in the VE zone, which is called the velocity zone, that means there's wave action. That's a problem because you want, you want your house up on piling. So the water can go back and forth underneath of it. Ideally, you're not in the house when that happens, but still that's the idea, right? That's why you build a house up. So when a buyer is buying a property and they're like, oh, you can rent out for Airbnb, the bottom floor, it's like, you may or may not be able to be doing that appropriately. Second of all, will your insurance company even cover the rebuilding of that because you're out of compliance? Like there's so many nuances to it. And again, if you're listening to this, if you're in an area with, I don't know, a ski resort, mountain property, I don't know the different a lake, you know, different sorts of things to consider your knowledge, your expertise. That's what people are paying you for the stuff like this, what we're talking about. That's where I bring value to people that they just can't possibly look that up on Zillow or Google it. And I think those are opportunities for agents to create content around that stuff. Yeah. I think that's great advice. Just create useful, helpful content. And, you know, the fact that you, you know, did your due diligence, you, you know, double checked it, had it, you know, ran it by a few people as well. And that, what I also love about that is, is that is content that will stand the test of time. You know, of course you'll update it from, you know, periodically, you might add some new graphics or photos, but it's, you know, something that you can use over and over again. So I, I absolutely love that. Um, what about social media? Is there a certain platform that you are loving that you're spending more time on these days? Just curious. 
I love Instagram. Like I wake up, I want to check it and really stories. So I just love stories. I think they're really creative. They're fun. I like personally creating them and not having to make them perfect. Like when I'm writing a static post, it takes me forever. I'm trying to get the grammar right. You know, it's, it's way, it's so much easier just kind of snap a picture and do stories. So I really like that. Um, I've played around a little bit with Clubhouse. Um, TikTok's probably not for me, at least not right now. I just, I do think for agents, this advice be on all platforms at all times is, is just probably impossible. So I think the thing, if you wake up and want to look at Twitter or LinkedIn or whatever, I think that's such a great place to start. And until you wring that dry and feel like you have your arms wrapped around that one platform, I, I think that trying to go do some sprinkles all over the place, like focus on the main, you know, on the cupcake, if you will do the sprinkles later. If you have a team, if you have a marketing person, like that's where, you know, really building out something that's consistent is helpful. But yeah, I love Instagram. I think it's fun. I do not think I get clients from Instagram. I love watching people talk about how they do because I've, I've not figured that out, but here's what I get. We get referrals from other agents. And so we have changed our entire strategy around Instagram to be much more focused on content that agents may find helpful. And with the Inspiration Lab, which we can talk about in a little bit, I have this monthly real estate roundtable, kind of free workshop stuff that I do. And part of that is to reach the realtor community across the country that I've built from speaking at conferences and that sort of thing. And it's it's just perplexing, but we're like going with it. I was like, this is interesting that other agents are finding us on Instagram, following what we're doing. And when I can draw a direct line, it's not generally, consumers might've seen me there. They're just not saying I saw you on Instagram. It's like, I saw you everywhere. I'm not really sure. I push the button on Zillow and then they get in touch with us. But agents, it'll be like, hey, I've been following you on Instagram for two years. I'm in Montana and I have a referral. And we were like, huh, this is, have you heard this from other people? Or is this like- I have. You actually- okay. Just this week, I i mean, I've had actually multiple conversations with agents about, about that. And I think it's interesting because some agents don't want, they intentionally don't connect with agents on social media. They might feel like, oh, I don't want someone to see what I'm doing or I don't, you know, it's my competition or whatever it might be, right? Um, which, which I understand. But to your point, I, I do think that there's a whole other audience of, of other agents that you can connect with. It can be a huge additional revenue source. Um, and for referral business. So I, I smile when you say that because I'm like, yep, I am totally hearing that <laughs> across the board. Yeah, it's it's just so interesting. Yeah, it's funny too, just thinking about like, first of all, like somebody quote unquote copying you is, is I mean, obviously there are illegal things that people should not do, but you know, people being inspired by the work that you do, that's fantastic. And that's really cool. And that means you're doing something noteworthy. And I feel like the other piece that Laura Monroe is always saying, which I know we, we both love Laura over at Inman, is just that this generation of realtors is they're looking for new leaders. They're looking for new voices that represent a more um, I think to kind of what we've been talking about, holistic view of the industry. So sharing what we're learning to me is a win for everyone. I just, and I'm also like, we're not Elon Musk. Like this is real estate people. Yeah, like, you know, don't take yourself too seriously. Do you know what I mean? It's, it. we're not, we didn't come up with the algorithm for Zillow. If you're in real estate tech, different conversation. I'm not saying if you're just like a, 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 a realtor doing your work and people are inspired by you, that's cool. Very few people will probably be able to do it as well as you're doing it because you're probably whatever marketing you're doing, you're doing it in a, in a format you love. I like writing, which is why we have guidebooks, right. you know? So if you're great on camera, so few people are great on camera. If you're willing to go on camera, you're already like, uh, not much competition. And then if you happen to be good on camera, you're going to blow people away, which is why public speaking is really important. Cause it's like, if 95% of people would rather die than do public speaking, like you're already 
just being willing to stand on the stage, you now have a leg up. So it's like some of it's just strategy for me too. Like what do we do well here? Because that will be easier than just looking and copying someone else. I mean, it's like, I don't, I don't want to do Google like, um, pay per click ads. That's just not my jam. Yeah. So I'm gonna write a guidebook, like, you know, just find your thing and stop looking around so much and just like do your thing really well. And people will find you. Yeah. Well, one of the things I think you've done really well is, uh, you know, the work that you've done with the inspiration lab. And it's been really fun to see just from afar, how that's grown and developed. And I would love for you to just touch on that a little bit, because I would imagine we're going to have some people who listen to this, who, you know, know and love you and know, know all about it. But for folks who don't, like, I would just love for you to talk a little bit about it. Yeah, so it really, the the idea for the Inspiration Lab started at real estate conferences where I feel like I was just seeing a lot of, I mean, frankly, like old white men on stage, you know, older, seasoned, if we will. Uh, I know, right? Imagine that. And people were asking work-life balance questions in particular of them. And their answers were, they weren't bad. They just, they were based off that they had a spouse who was staying home or they had a lot of personal assistance, nannies, their children were in, you know, um, you know, lots of different sports or lots of activities. So they weren't home as much, but they had a kind of like a group of people helping with that. And I thought that's just not for the families that I know, that's not totally realistic. I mean, you might have a babysitter or a nanny from time to time, but, um, and for most families that I know, both parents work. So there's not a stay at home spouse to kind of hold that down. So I just thought, huh, is there like somebody else that would talk about this? And then the other thing I was hearing from my friends was all these fertility issues and all these things that women were trying to deal with on top of real estate. And a lot of them were being told specifically, you need to stop doing real estate because it's too stressful. And like, you're not going to be able to have a child. And none of this stuff was ever being talked about. It was all just like, I did 500 million trillion thousand and I'm in the gold Eagle diamond club. I mean, it was just, you know, how real estate is so everything's okay when you're on stage. And I was like, this can't be true. So I just really wanted to have a place for women to come and have vulnerable conversations around an industry that we love. Um, And it just kind of has grown. It grew beyond real estate quickly into small business. And just, I think, working women in general to be able to talk about these things that are uh, so important to our lives, but, but we need help with. I mean, nobody's talking to you about how they juggled their journey, their fertility journey while they were a realtor and kind of their process and maybe what they learned and would do differently. Um, you're just missing out on opportunities because we're just on a stage talking about more Facebook ads. And you're like, for real people over here having like, you know, mental health crisis, like, let's talk about that in real estate. Like, let's talk about the hard, real stuff that is up underneath this shiny exterior. Um, and so I think that that resonated with people. And then it just with COVID, I mean, all the stuff that we've been teaching about self-care, it just was so relevant. The timing of it was something we couldn't have controlled, but everybody began to think about mental health, self-care, work-life balance. You know, do I have purpose and meaning in my life? So that was um, really cool. And we always like to say the kind of things that we like to teach on are just that self-care is strategic, that it's not selfish because it is strategic. Like I already know, because you listen to this podcast, I have a child with special needs. If I fall apart, both my child, my husband, my team, my clients. I mean, it's so much better to take one hour for yourself than to to have a complete meltdown. So it's strategic. And we always like to say that we wrap our goals in grace because there is this hustle culture in real estate. This is really like over the top. It's like, don't let yourself down. You said you were going to do a hundred deals and you only did 98. And it's like, yeah, but my grandmother had cancer, right? You know, and you're like, I took care of her. So like, there is some sense in real estate of like, 
I don't, I don't know for, I think top producing agents like myself who are like really driven, we got to give ourselves some grace too. Like the goal should not crush you. You should crush the goal. We have appropriate relationships with our goals. And so I think that that was something that I really wanted to speak up uh, about in real estate because I saw it being kind of a little bit out of whack. And then just trying to be like a soft place to land for women in, in kind of a culture that's can be challenging and I think can be so judgmental. I mean, the mommy culture is the worst. I mean, you want to talk about... <laughs> You want to talk about people getting fired up. So I was like, I think it can be different. I think there can be a genuine generosity and kindness that we can share with each other. And if you come from an abundance mentality, like, hey, there's plenty to go around. It's easy to share. And and the final thing that I'll say about it that I've just loved is as it's grown and we've had conferences and we now have a podcast, I love shining a light on women that maybe other people haven't met or just have kind of been toiling away doing whatever they're doing and and didn't see themselves as a leader in the industry or as somebody who would be a speaker. I love that. It is so, so fun to be like, Hey, look, look at what she's doing. You know, I think there's some point where you've gotten some, I've gotten to a place in my career where I feel like I've been really blessed. I've won some awards. I've gotten to speak at some conferences. I still have some goals, but I mean, I feel like I've done a lot of those. I'm excited to say, Hey, you know what? Why don't you have her speak about marketing? Like you've heard me talk about this a hundred times. Let's hear a fresh perspective. I think that's really cool. And if you want to control the content, at a conference, on a media website, et cetera, then you have to own it, which is why the Inspirational Lab started a conference because I wanted to control what was being said. I wanted it to be content first, not not sponsor first. And so, which is fine. It's a different model. There are different ways to do it, but I just was like, I want to do the lineup and then I'll pitch it to sponsors. And if they're into this kind of stuff, cool. And if they're not, that's okay. And I just had always felt like it was a lot of events I had gone to were upside down. And I just thought, man, wouldn't it just be refreshing <laughs> if we just had great people on stage that were authentic and inspiring and, and honest. And then the people who sponsor that probably are going to get great results because people are just like relieved that we're not beating them over the head with something, but just, I, I don't know. I just, it, it just seemed more natural to me. So it was a blending of the real estate part of me, the the special needs mom world that I had experienced that can feel extremely lonely. And then the social work part of me is saying like, let's bring people together. I love bringing people together. It's so, so fun to do that. And so, yeah, it started as one little luncheon event. People came, which I was amazed. Um, and we just started having kind of one-off events and then grew it into a community of over well, probably at this point, hundreds of women. We have thousands of newsletter subscribers and our conference, which we were supposed to have in November in Wilmington, but we had to cancel due to the Delta variant. We had about 400 people coming to it. So um, an entire day for real estate. So we always like to kind of have a little focus on all my real estate people. And uh, it's just been so much fun. It's cool. I mean, I created the thing I wish existed. And uh, I encourage people to do that. If you wish something existed, you will not be the only one. I'm sure of it. I've now done, I've created enough things that I'm sure about it. And it can be small. Like I have this wine and wine moms group, like we drink wine and we wine. Um, and, and it's about, because we have kids with special needs, right? But there's six of us. It can be small like that. Like it doesn't have to be my thing with the inspiration lab. But if you feel this need, like I can't be the only person that feels or has this need or concern or want. You're not. You just have to go out and find them. And, and thankfully, social media and the internet's made it way easier to find people, you know? Right. I love that. 
and we will link up to uh, the Inspiration Lab below and all the other ways that we can we can get in touch with you, your Instagram. And uh, where, where would you like to send people? If, if people want to find more information about you or connect with you or find out about the Inspiration Lab, what are uh, what are a few places people can can reach out to you? Yeah, sure. I mean, you can find me on Instagram, Steph Lanier, and the Inspiration Lab is on Instagram, Lanier Property Group is. Um, and then, uh, you know, our websites, it's uh, theinspirationlab.co, and you can find us there. And that's because we can afford inspirationlab.com. Um, this is like not fancy and not meant to be like ironic. It was just a business decision. But anyway, I think you can find us if, if you if you Google us. There's lots of free resources. I'm happy to share. I could send you uh, later just our, our guides. We also have a buyer and a seller guidebook that we wrote. We have custom three ring binders where we just created the full content to walk our clients through what we believe is important and also educate them about buying in our state because every state is so different. Yeah. So happy to share any of that uh, content. And we have a lot of content on the Inspirational Lab side, everything from a caregiver handbook, because that was a big challenge that I had. Like, what do you tell a How does a nanny or a babysitter know she had a good day's work? Hmm. Other than your kids are a lot, but like, could we take it a, ne- a notch up? Like, like, what does a great day working in a home look like? Because I think we kind of take for granted people who are working in our home. So there's a lot of resources over on the Inspirational Lab side, side around that self-care checklist and free, all kinds of free stuff over there too. So yeah, good stuff. I'd love for them to check it out. Yeah. Send me what, whatever you, you, whatever you'd love to share that that's so generous of you. And for all of our listeners, we will put the, that in the, the show notes. If you've never clicked on our show notes, if you are whatever, whatever platform you're listening on, if you're listening on our website, it'll be on our website, katielance.com slash podcast. You can find the latest episodes there. Or if you're listening on Apple, you know, you can just click on the actual episode and that's where the show notes are. I'm often asked like, what do you mean by show notes? Which is a valid question because yeah. sometimes we don't know where those are. So uh, we will put those those out there. Um, Stephanie, thank you so much. I, I know we could probably talk for a whole nother hour, but this this was just awesome. I absolutely love just chatting with you and I love your heart. I love your passion. And um, I, I know I took away so much from our conversation today. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. So for all of our listeners, if you enjoyed this, the best thing you can do is share it out. Share it out. Feel free to take a screenshot or share the link out. You can tag me, tag Stephanie. I know we would love to hear from you and hear what your thoughts are on the episode. Um, and of, of course, as always, we would love if you'd subscribe to our podcast. We have new episodes that come out each and every day. You can connect with me, of course, at katielance.com. Find me on the socials. And until next time, we hope you have a great day. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you want more, head over to katielance.com and check out the Get Social Smart Academy. Also sign up for our free email newsletter packed full of great content. Until next time, get social smart.